the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And boy, culture is changing. And we have a uh, conversation in front of us today that I think will be a help to you. My name is Jeremy Stalnecker. I'm here with Chad Robichaux. And uh, we'll introduce our guest in just a second. But uh, Chad, we're at a, at a strange moment in time where a lot of people who have been quiet for a long time yes. need to stand up and use their voices to say something. Never been a more important time in our country to stand up and speak your mind. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's not a popular time to do it. Right. You're going to be, uh, yep. if you stand up and speak for liberty, justice, for freedom, for our nation, even the flag can be controversial right now. Uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to uh, take courage yep. to do it, but it's the right thing to do, yep. and, uh, and our country needs it more than ever. Yeah, there have been a few studies even recently about folks who say, as a conservative, um, even on the other side, as a, as a liberal, I'm just afraid to share what I believe and what I right. think because of the repercussions. And, and, you know, anecdotally, we know people have lost their jobs and uh, entertainers and others have lost their platforms all because they were willing to stand up and just express what they believe, yeah. which is an American right. <laughs> right. We keep hearing about the silent majority of Americans right now that are con- uh, share conservative values. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think it's time for the silent majority to stop being yeah. silent and start speaking right. up. I think, uh, too, we all have a platform, but there's something in most of us that would maybe talk ourselves into this idea that my platform's not big enough, my circle of influence is really small, so I don't need to stand up. But I think wherever you are, big platform or not, you need to stand up and influence those you can. Absolutely. I mean, uh, God gives us all a platform and an ability to influence. Uh, we're all leaders in some way, yeah. whether you're leading people towards the good or towards the bad. Uh, you're influencing someone. It's not really a choice. Uh, whether you influence someone or not, you are influencing those around you. So if you're going to be an influencer by creation, that's who you are, yeah. then uh, you should choose the things you're going to influence people over yeah. and utilize the platforms you've been given. Absolutely. And, uh, man, there are so many different people that speak so well on this. But one is a guy with a really big influence. Yes. Who is our guest today? And uh, friend. Our, and friend, <laughs> yes. Chad Prather. Um, I know we're recording here in California. One of uh, his biggest followings comes out of the great state of California, the great state of California, which we are doing our best to uh, to change some policy here. But Chad uh, is familiar to you, I'm sure, of a comedian, host of the Chad Prather Show on the Blaze Network. He is currently stated publicly that he is a candidate for governor of Texas. That's right, yeah. So we'll see how all that so, shakes out. I think, I think people have... The hashtag I heard, we had a friend say, had it with Abbott. Had it with Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> so Chad's going to step into that. Also, uh, outspoken on issues of conservative and political nature and a very good friend of our organization, the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Uh, Chad, thank you for joining us, and thanks for uh, wading into this conversation with us today. Hey, it's good to be with you. And I'll tell you, you know, we say that tongue-in-cheek about the great state of California. Uh, it is a great state. It, it is. is one of my most yeah. supportive states. You know, we do about 15 or 16 shows a year there. Uh, folks really turn out and show up. 
if you get rid of most of San Diego, Los Angeles, Sacramento, <laughs> San Francisco, and Oakland, you got a really great state. Uh, number one state in America for agriculture, tons yep. of ranching, a lot of great folks out there, a lot of conservative values are just getting screwed over by bureaucracy. So uh, I still believe good things for, you know, if, if lost souls can be saved, so can California. Uh, I, bl- I yeah. believe that uh, if there's a silver lining in all this madness that we've seen over the last few months, uh, I believe there's a patriotic awakening in our country, and uh, we see it in California as well. I think it's happening. Folks are seeing the end of the uh, the end of the narrative in sight, and they they see that a house of cards falls in on itself, and that bad logic always reveals itself. and And California is a certain example of that. I've said for the longest time that California is a perfect example of an attempt to use capitalism to make a place socialist. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you outprice people to the point where they can't even afford to live and they make they become uh, government dependent. And that's happened a lot in California. And I see that through this coronavirus stuff with all these stimulus packages. A lot of that's happening across America as well. They're trying to use capitalism, I think, to make people more dependent on the government and ultimately yeah. make it more socialist. So it's scary to see. But thankfully, people in California are seeing through that. They're seeing through the fog and, and hopefully getting uh, getting awakened. Yeah, they're waking up. Good Look, I, I mean, I think I met you. I was a guest on your show, the the, mm-hmm. the Chad Prather show, about two and a half years ago, the first time, and I've been on several times since. And and we became I, we became personal friends. You became a, a part of Mighty Oaks Foundation. I worked there. We do a veterans, huge advocate for veterans. Uh, and then I, I I actually just went to see you perform in one of your comedy shows for the first time. All this time I got to know you, like I got to know that you're much more than a comedian. You're just a, you're really a brilliant man. I think you're just incredibly intelligent. You're very deep on, on polit- political issues and topics that are important to our nation. And uh, so my question to you is, as to, as such a talented person, you could be doing probably anything you want to do, uh, and uh, and probably things that are you know much more lucrative to you personally. And but but you choose to do this. You choose to u- use your your humor and your wit to build a platform to not just make people laugh and share comedy, but insert such important values to life and liberty, justice, and, uh, and ultimately trying to impact our nation. And uh, it's very clear that's, you know, that's the agenda you have, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. But what led you to that? Why, why that? Well, to go back to what you guys were saying at the beginning of the show or the segment, uh, at some point in time, you have to use your platform. Uh, in a way that consciously you feel like you're making a positive difference. We can continue to selfishly um, continue to just build a brand or we can use what we've built to make a difference. And so I always said, Chad, I always said I was never going to run for public office because I love having the ability to say what I want to say without anybody uh, (laughs) judging me or trying to tell me what to say. And the beauty of all of that is, uh, you know, you, you get to a point where you have nothing to lose and you just say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And if people don't like it, they don't have to like it. And I, I was in uh, I was I was in South Dakota there with the president's family, had an extra glass of wine on the 2nd of July. And I thought, you know what? I am sick of what I see happening in the state of Texas. I'm tired of what I see Governor Greg Abbott, who I've always supported. Uh, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing these days, but it, nonetheless, he's doing them. And it's it's an affront on people's personal liberty, especially Texans, who are accustomed to walking tall and holding their heads high. 
And I said, that's it. And so I took to Twitter, said I'm running for governor. And I had no idea that the response that was going to come uh, was going to be as huge as it was. And so here we are, you know, as a reluctant candidate, uh, I've never been more energized or excited about the opportunity of getting in, starting the conversation and stirring things up and getting what I believe a, a state that's always been on track in most ways uh, back on track because we've, we've definitely sort of lost our way. Hmm. I heard somebody recently say that Texas is not the Texas that most Texans think it is. We're seeing a lot of California and Hollywood money pumped into our political scene. We know that Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and for the most part El Paso and Austin are sort of the problem children in that they are the blue spots in the tomato soup. The blue, I'll say the blueberries in the tomato soup, so to speak. And uh, they, they tend to be the problem children. So we're seeing an influx to the point where I think Texas has become purple. And you're right, you know, professionally, to become governor of the state of Texas, while a great honor, is a pay cut. <laughs> right. it's, it's definitely a limitation on your life. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what we're accustomed to living. But I feel like at this stage in the game, it's something that we have to do. We have a lot of support. We have a lot of folks that are excited about it. You know, I am running on a platform of personal liberty and responsibility with with just making Texas or keeping Texas great. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're starting to see. Look, here's the thing, guys. You know, Jeremy, whenever somebody says to me, that Texas needs to be more like South Dakota. You know, yeah. Christy Noam has done a great job as governor of South Dakota, yeah. but they say, well, Texas needs to be more like South Dakota. Man, they don't have waffle irons in the, right. in the shape of South Dakota. There's no Nobody South cares Dakota about South flag. Dakota. Yeah. yeah Where's that? that on a bikini? There's no South Dakota toast. This is Texas, by God. Uh, we've got a rich heritage and a history, and I want to make sure that that's not lost. And, and yeah. this that we're seeing now is, is basically an affront to Texas history. And, and a Texas pride. And so, you know, we threw, I threw my proverbial hat in the ring yeah. and uh, the support's been great. we got a great team and we'll see what happens here, but you yeah. got to put your money where your mouth is at some point. Well, I'm all, I'm, I'm an advocate for uh, political officers not being filled by politicians, but right. being filled right. by everyday Americans who, who come from every part of life and want to serve. And uh, so uh, I was excited when you, when you, I first asked you if you were serious and yeah. you said you were, and I said, like, well, good, I'm excited. So, Well, we, I, I, I'll tell you what I did, and this is interesting. This is something that you don't see very often. So another gentleman that is running for governor in the state of Texas is a city councilman out of Rusk, Texas, named Martin Holsom. And Martin and I uh, got to know each other because we're both candidates. Reached out to one another. We've had some conversations on the telephone. We've become friends. And I said, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be something? if you and I supported one another in this and we joined our voices together and we came out and said, look, at the end of the day, we're on the same side and we're for what's best for Texas. Right. And let's not get into the dirty right. politics. Uh, and, you know, a lot of folks, I think, are idealistic like that to begin with. But at the end of the day, we both refuse to get into mudslinging or character shaming or any of that stuff that dominates American politics. And let's just truly be not only citizens of America, but citizens of Texas and prove what that ought to look like. We yeah. can be opponents and still have a safe discussion. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. 
Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. That's right, yeah. One of the things, Chad, you're really good at, um, we talked about this before. Uh, In fact, you were at our gala last year. We sat down and talked for a little bit. If I am confused about something that's happening in the country, there are a few places I go to to get some clarity. One of those is your show (laughs) because you have a way of kind of cutting through like, and you make it entertaining. It's fun to watch, but you cut through a lot of the, just kind of the silliness and the confusion. And we're in a moment in our country where there is so much fog of war to use a military term. It's hard to know what we should care about. Um, If you could boil it all down to a couple core messages, a couple core issues as Americans, what are the core things we should be very concerned about right now, or at least moderately concerned about right now, the stuff we should care about? Well, the loss of liberty and the loss of freedom. You know, freedom and liberty are, are they hold hands, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Uh, you know, nothing is free, so to speak, but we talk about being a free people. When we say that, we're really talking about having liberty. Right. And we're seeing uh, an attack on liberty yeah. these days. We're seeing it with the coronavirus. I mean, just in a matter of days, we bowed down to the bureau- bureaucratic dictums that were handed out of Washington, D.C. Yeah. And then specifically, we watched our local mayors and our state governors become little despots in how they shut things down and took their cues from one another and demonstrated their powerful control over our lives. Those are the things that ought not be. We can't have that. I believe in personal responsibility. If I'm a free person, I should take an account for my own life. Uh, Every time I step outside of my house, there's a risk. I never know what the day holds. I live with that reality. We all have a 100% chance of dying of something one day, and I should have the freedom to live my life until that day comes and the Lord takes me home. Now, that being said, I don't believe that a governor or a mayor or the president or some expert or some virologist or anybody else in Washington, D.C. should be able to dictate what my life looks like. They shouldn't add mandates to my life. And while it seems like it's a simple thing, I want you to look at the narrative because the narrative has gotten out of control, even from the people who who created the narrative. So look at this. We had we had right versus left and then we had mask versus no mask. Now, when a vaccine comes out, you're going to have the pro vaccine people versus the anti vaccine people. Now, you're going to have anti-vaccine people that were pro-mask, and you're going to have pro-vaccine people that were anti-mask, and vice versa. So now we've been saying, 
why won't you wear that mask? Don't you care about people's lives? Well, the next thing that's going to happen is, why don't you get the vaccine? Don't you care about people's livelihoods? Right now, we don't care about livelihoods because we're watching a national economy tank uh, through something that is just a little sister of the flu. And yes, it's very real. Yes, it's very contagious. And it has cost people their lives under certain conditions. But the mortality rate of it is very low. So it's a little sister to the flu. And we've changed our entire lives over that. So we're going to see people really get at odds with one another. So it's going to get to a point where it's not going to be anti versus pro. It's going to be everybody against everybody. And the powers that be, whoever's controlling the narrative out there, they're going to sit back. They're going to rake in the money through the media and they're going to, and also through medical advances. So quote unquote medical advances, but they're going to sit back and they're going to laugh and they're going to see us destroy ourselves from the inside. So for me, Right now, I think that's the biggest thing we, we have. Uh, if Joe Biden gets elected, that's a whole other another that's a whole other issue. Yeah. That another thing we've got to look at. But we'll see what happens come November. Right. You talked about people uh, being at odds with each other. Uh, I mean, I think most people would say they've never experienced or lived through a more divisive time than we're in right now, or even recall a time in our country where people more divided. And uh, you know, like people like yourself and me, we we're, we're out there really trying to express our values and what we believe for our country and where we believe people should stand. But it's very hard to influence people that, are, that think one way. I think the, the social media arguments, you're, not, you're really just kind of broadcasting your argument. You're not changing people's mind. And so you see a lot of yelling back and forth. I mean, how helpful is all the yelling? And uh, what's the alternative to the, the, the back and forth banter? I wish there was an alternative. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, social media has become an interesting phenomenon in our generation and in our age. Uh, it has exposed the wickedness of a lot of our hearts, and it is filled with a whole lot of comments such as up yours and go to hells and kiss my eyes and F you's. And I don't know that we're ever going to get away from that because the anonymity of the keyboard really allows us the opportunity to express our inner vileness. Uh, that being said, I just don't see how we can ever come back together because it's not right versus left anymore. I say quite often that I miss the old uh, typical classical liberals. These days, those would be called libertarians. Now yeah. you have progressive left, yeah. which are jumping so far yeah. off the, 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 the platform on the, on the far extreme left that they make a guy who is moderate, such as Donald Trump, who's really a centrist and a pro-American guy, look extreme right, and he's not. So that's how um, polarized we have become as a culture and as a society, and certainly the political temperature here in America. Uh, But I don't know that it's going to get any better, unless there is a true awakening, and I mean a spiritual awakening in a big, big way, there, because mentally, people don't think anymore. The idea of complex or critical thought is gone. The idea of us physically coming back together is not going to happen because you see everything from the riots to the uh, clashes that are happening in the street with BLM and Antifa. And then you have folks, uh, you, you see the problems in the street, the looting in Chicago, all of these things. Uh, so uh, emotionally, we're not going to come back together. It doesn't take very much to watch the the Karen pop out in the supermarket whenever they see somebody without a mask on. She's everywhere. We see the video. Yeah. yeah, we see the videos of that. So the only thing left, if, if we can't come together physically, mentally, or emotionally, the only thing left really is spiritually. 
That's the only thing that can save us. And that's the only thing that is truly out of our control. So, you know, when you, when you read, you know, the, the writer of Chronicles who says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. That is still the only solution that I see that's going to happen. Yeah. People have got to turn and people have got to pray. And that's the only way we're ever going to come together. And, and I think that's the mission yeah. and the focus that you guys have in your heart. And it's certainly a goal of mine. Uh, so to that degree, miracles still happen, but it's going to take one to heal this country. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you anymore. I think our Baptist pastor here would give it amen. Amen. <laughs> I would have said amen, but I don't want to offend anybody in the room. You know, no, you're exactly right. And, uh, what, a, what an interesting place to find ourselves. And, uh, you know, we could have another discussion about the church in America and whether that's helped or, or hindered. And I'm not sure it's, uh, <laughs> it's helped as much as it could have. Um, but with all of that in mind, are you personally optimistic about America's future? As you look down the road and you consider all of these things and take it in, um, are you optimistic about what the future holds for us? I'll always be optimistic about America, as long as there are men and women willing to put on a uniform with the willingness to serve and sacrifice their lives for liberty. As long as there's men and women who are willing to put on a badge yeah. and kiss their families goodbye and go out on a shift with the prayers that they just get to come back home. As long as there's firefighters and people in uniform that rush to emergencies when the rest of us are running away, I'll have hope for America. As long as there's people lined up at the southern border waiting to get in here, uh, as long as the celebrities are complaining about us, I'll be hopeful for America. Uh, you know, the fact that we're fighting means at least that we're alive. And the beauty of America is that, you know, it's almost as though God put his finger on our founding fathers and gave them a wisdom far beyond the human scale and pale. Right. And the foundation is so good. The foundation of America, this idea of America to form a, 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 a more perfect union, you know, a more perfect uh, establishment of government to continue growing. I think as long as that foundation is in place, I'll always be hopeful. And, and I am excited about the new, this next generation. I think that a lot of millennials have gotten a bad rap. I think that a lot of the, the Gen Z and the younger ones, I, you know, I see a lot of encouraging things out there in the next generation. It's unfortunate that the negative and the asinine tend to get all of the press. <laughs> yes. Because it's, it's really not fair in that regard. I think that um, there's some good voices out there. There's some smart people out there, and I could list some names, but, uh, you know, it's not necessary at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, we really appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking some time with us. Um, where can people that are listening, that are watching, find out more about you, that don't know about you? I think everybody knows about you because everyone I run into knows you. Uh, <laughs> but for those that don't, where, where would you like to point them? Watchchad.com. It's a very vain website right there. Watchchad.com <laughs> or chadprather.com. It all goes to the same place. They can catch the Chad Prather show there. And, of course, everything we've got going on, including our live tour schedule. So I yeah. encourage people to go there, and hopefully we'll see you out on the road. Awesome, go, man. Thank go you. See one of, yeah, if you're watching, go see one of Chad's shows that me and my wife went, and we just had such a blast. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Had fun. Thanks, man. Love Appreciate you, man. it. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Love y'all. It's always uh, great having the opportunity to have Chad Prather on the show. Yeah. So such awesome guy. He's awesome. It's funny. He's a guy who can be serious and super focused and at the same time is one of the funniest uh, human beings that you'll ever meet. Yeah. We talk about, like, your platform. Like, he, he started with his cell phone. And his pickup truck, <laughs> him and his dog Willie, uh, talking about just any right. topic that was, you know, relevant at the time, and uh, and and that just, I mean, he has had a couple of videos that have got you know several million 
views and just launched a platform for them. And, and it's really nice to see a, a person that's taken that platform and uh, instead of using it for himself, he's using it for the good of our nation yeah. and the future of America. And what a great example for the rest of us to use whatever platform you have. Maybe it's your cell phone and a pickup truck. Yeah. Maybe it's Willie. bigger than that, but yeah. use it. You and Willie. You and Willie. <laughs> Just use it. Uh, man, he said so many good good things, but as we conclude our show today, I want to give you the Situation Report. Some major takeaways from our conversation, and uh, again, I hope these are an encouragement to you. So our takeaways for today, the Situation Report, is this. Number one, we all have a platform, and you may feel like your platform is small, your circle of influence is not big. Whatever it is that you have, God gave that to you, and you need to use it. Stand on your platform, big or small, big or little, and use it to influence others for good. That's one. The second thing, and this was a great point, the answer for our country right now uh, is not political, although we're engaged in that and we need to be engaged in that. It's not cultural. It's not a lot of the things we would put our finger on and say that's the answer. The answer for our country right now is a spiritual awakening. And really, that will happen when Christian people, spiritual people, are willing to stand up and use their voice for good. That's the second thing. The third thing is this, and I love this as a third point uh, of our situation report. There is always hope. Chad put it so well, but there is always hope as long as there are men and women who are willing to stand up for truth, stand up for right, and really wade into the gap and make things happen. And as long as that happens, there is hope for the rest of us. That is your situation report. Good show today. Good show. Yeah, looking forward to the next one. And uh, wherever you are, whatever your platform may be, stand up and use your voice. Uh, Now is the time for all of us to do what we can. Next week. See you. We'll see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.